In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. Welcome back to Sunday Setup, the weekly podcast show that prepares you for the readings you'll hear at Mass this Sunday. Let's jump right in with the first reading this weekend. We spent the past three weekends in the book of Isaiah, but now we're on to a different book. The second book of the Bible, in fact, Exodus. Our first reading this weekend is from the 22nd chapter of Exodus. It's set after the watershed moment in the book, pun intended, when the Israelites pass through the Red Sea. Now, after the Israelites escape Egypt, they, of course, end up near Mount Sinai as Moses receives the Ten Commandments. Then they continue to wander and grumble for many years before reaching the Promised Land. But our specific passage this weekend actually is set during the same scene in which Moses receives the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. The giving of the Ten Commandments takes place two chapters before our passage, but then after a quick chat with the people after he receives these Ten Commandments, Moses goes back up on Mount Sinai with the people at a distance And for the next three chapters, God gives more instruction to Moses. The particular excerpt for this weekend contains laws that speak of treating orphans, widows, resident aliens, and the poor with respect. These laws have a guiding principle, one that you will be very familiar with. Do as you would be done by, or, in other words, treat your neighbor as yourself. We see this most concretely in the final verses which present a poor man who can only offer his one cloak as collateral for a loan. Now, the word cloak is a generous translation because this word in Hebrew really more accurately means something like underwear. God somewhat humorously commands that the creditor, that is, the one to whom the poor man is in debt, should return his cloak slash underwear to him every night because it's all he has to keep himself warm. Then, each morning, the creditor can reclaim the underwear back as collateral. Don't miss the humor here. If the creditor is doing this, he doesn't really have it as collateral, especially if this is all the poor man owns. It would sort of be like having your home repossessed by the bank, but then the bank allowing you to live in it all the time except when you were at work. At that point, why even claim collateral at all? The first reading's laws point to an important lesson given to Moses by God. Everyone in the community of Israel ought to treat one another as family. For our second reading, we're picking up right where we left off last week. We ended with verse 5b of the first chapter of St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And now we pick right back up with verse 5c. Here's a quick reminder of the context for this letter. Paul, Timothy, and Silvanus visit Thessalonica on Paul's second missionary journey. They were run out of town for causing some trouble, but then Timothy goes back to visit them. When Timothy returns from this second visit, he tells Paul of the good things that are happening there, and Paul writes his letter. A bit of background on Thessalonica, which actually still exists today and is known as Thessaloniki. It was a large commercial city in northern Greece near Mount Olympus. 
and a thriving center of commerce because it was situated along the Ignatian Way. In fact, as we continue to discover the story behind Paul's letters, we'll find that often Paul intelligently placed himself at these crossroad cities because he knew he could reach the most amount of people there. Think of it as sort of like standing with a megaphone at Grand Central Station as opposed to standing with a megaphone in a cow pasture in Iowa. When Paul talks about Macedonia and Achaia in the reading this weekend, he's talking more or less about the areas of northern and southern Greece, respectively, as we know them today. Basically, Paul is lauding the people of Thessalonica for continuing to spread the gospel message, which he, Timothy, and Silvanus previously shared with them. Finally, we have the gospel. For the third time in this same 22nd chapter of Matthew, Jesus' opponents are trying to trap him. The Pharisees ask a question about which commandment is the greatest. Now, this was actually a common debate in Jesus' time. Rabbis in Judaism had extrapolated a total of 613 commandments from the Torah, the first five books of the Bible as we know them today. Since 6 plus 1 plus 3 equals 10, they saw these 613 commandments as a further clarification upon the 10 given to Moses, which should now hearken us back to our first reading. So, in order to trap him, this scholar of the law approaches Jesus to sort of size him up. He's probably thinking, okay, if this so-called teacher is worth his weight in salt, let's see what he considers to be the single greatest commandment of the 613 thou shalls and thou shall nots of the Torah. But Jesus' answer is a familiar one to Jews. They would have prayed it at least twice a day. It's called the Shema prayer and is taken right from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. But then, by combining this commandment with the invitation to love one's neighbor as oneself, Jesus once again manifests his wisdom in the face of the traps set for him by his opponents. Loving God and one's neighbor as oneself encapsulates the entirety of the law. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this week, the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time of Year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.